Welcome everyone to On Podcast, the On Microsoft Podcast, where we talk about Microsoft stuff on a podcast. I am your host today, Kareem Anderson, and I'm joined by David Allen. The fun one has returned another week. Yeah, and we actually have some fun news to accompany that. This is no longer the slow week of uh, news from Microsoft. We are getting into it, and we have some big revelations to go over. Uh, our opening discussion today is going to be about Microsoft's pivot with the Surface Duo 3. Uh, here we are in 2023 talking about a non-existent device because uh, Microsoft took last year off and uh, based on this news, looks like it's going to be taking this year off as well. Uh, Microsoft may be looking for a brand new name for its latest uh, foray into smartphones as the, Surface, as the next Surface Duo will reportedly ditch its du- dual screens for a single foldable screen uh, uh, akin of the, what is that, the Oppo in Find, Vivo X Fold the more famous Samsung Galaxy Fold versions one through four. According to Zach Bowden over Windows Central, sources close to the project have shared that after months of prototyping and testing, the Microsoft Duo team has settled on going for a more traditional foldable, a single foldable screen design with a 180 degree hinge uh, and an internal foldable screen, uh, as well as uh, an accompanying external display. Again, uh, just like the Fold. Um, Microsoft, uh, as Microsoft comes more in line with the rest of the industry regarding foldable designs, it will buttress against standing out and claiming a purchase date from customers because it'll be just like every other device. Its selling point used to be that it was a dual screen folding device versus, uh, I guess, more traditional foldable device. Uh, fortunately, the company seems aware of the inevitability of becoming an also ran and is working on a software experience dubbed Perfect Together, uh, according to Bowden. Uh, Microsoft's Perfect Together software package will aim at creating a cross-platform ecosystem between PCs and uh, Android uh, powered devices, similar to the iPhone uh, connection to a a MacBook or whatnot, uh, which uh, should, I guess, mean better pairing, uh, more features, feature sets for texting and image sharing, content sharing between devices, things of that nature. Uh, while pivoting uh, on the Duo's design, Microsoft is also may also be backtracking on a previous smartphone redline, which is revisiting traditional slap phone manufacturing as well. That's right. All you Windows Phone fans out there whose hair just kind of stood up on the back of your neck, we are potentially uh, going to see a, another Microsoft-powered smartphone that looks like a regular smartphone. Uh, once again, found sources say the service team has been exploring different form factors that include the old single-screen, not transparent non-transformable candy bar smartphone design and could ship a mainstream surface phone, surface phone smartphone offering uh, in addition to the uh, foldable one and leaving the foldable one to be the more um, I guess exotic offering from the, the device maker. So uh, where Microsoft might sell potentially more surface laptops than they do surface pros, they will leave the surface pro out there as an aspirational device, or I guess it'd be more akin to uh, the Surface Pro, actually, because I think that sells more, and the Surface Laptop Studio. So, what are your thoughts on this development? I think this is a big deal. I, I'm happy to see Microsoft jumping back into the smartphone market. I know we talked about, what I should say that differently, just jumping into the smartphone market differently and kind of doing what everybody <laughs> else is doing. I know you've got a duo I have not personally owned the Duo, but I have spent quite a bit of time playing with one. I was, I, I'm not a fan of the the double independent screens like that. I prefer the foldable 
type and i know our editor-in-chief has the z fold for and he has talked about how nice that that type of folding mechanism is for some time now we've kind of talked internally about what operating system you know that phone should run i think it might have been you on our team that had mentioned maybe the phone should run windows you know or some sort of windows oh, no, I, was, I was yeah I was an advocate for uh, QV with Android. I believe uh, was it Dave? I think might have yeah, mentioned maybe it. Yeah, maybe Dave. Yeah, yeah. And you know, we kind of talked about that, and I think it's important for Microsoft to stick with Android. I don't think the consumer market wants to see a third phone, we or a third operating system. We had, you know, BlackBerry came back for a little while several years ago. They tried a different BlackBerry OS and they switched to Android and tried to make it as a hardware maker. They haven't made it. And I just don't think people, as far as you and I, basic everyday consumers, are ready for a third choice. So I think make a foldable phone, something Samsung-ish, Z Fold 4, you know, something in that area. Make it surface quality you know, where it's got the Surface branding, the Surface build quality. And I think people would pick that up. I know I would if it's got the Microsoft integration to Windows and other Microsoft products, you know, make that easy, make it fit the Microsoft ecosystem. I'm all for it. I would buy it. I would buy it today if it were available. See, this is where you and I would differ, and I wrote a whole editorial that I uh, released earlier this weekend, uh, and I would hope people go read it because I have lots of opinions. Uh, hopefully some of you agree with them, and for those of you who don't, we can have a discussion. Uh, but I kind of wrote this piece dubbing Microsoft's third time is not the charm. Like I don't believe this pivot to follow Samsung will pay off. Uh, not that the Surface Duo was doing gangbusters to begin with, that's be, you know, crystal clear that it was a very niche device that didn't do very well, uh, both in terms of sales, in terms of uh, supposed branding, in terms of consumer awareness. It just, it, it didn't meet the mark on any of those metrics to say that it was a relatively successful device. Um, so I'm making that clear. Uh, my opinions are based with that uh, aspect in, in mind. Uh, what I do want to say is that uh, because of the way Microsoft's pivoting to essentially following Samsung, following uh, Vivo, following the Honor Magic, following uh, uh, Oppo of these, you know, following this design in a in an effort to potentially save money. Uh, we will note that the, you know, following this technology is a cost saving measure for them because it's already established. It's been well refined. Uh, it's easier to source the same parts as everyone else. You can just say, give me a foldable screen at these uh, aspect ratios. And it's easy to cut those than it is to say, make me two independent OLED screens at this aspect ratio that no one else is using or will ever use. Manufacturers will say, well, you're going to keep paying the high price because we can't do it at scale. That all being said, Microsoft, um, will lose this differentiating factor. It will lose the grace that I believe uh, re reviewers who were fond of the device were giving it because it was a unique thing. Uh, and Microsoft has yet to do the hard work of establishing distribution channels uh, that are reliable in the smartphone world. Uh, even as they you know, plowed away at Windows 
phone, 7, 7.1, 7.5, 8, 8. All of those, Windows 10 Mobile, all of the iterations, they still never did the full work of delivering phones, delivering software in a regular timely manner. As much as we used to get on Samsung about not being able to deliver software updates, they produced a phone every year. That was their, that was their solution. If you couldn't get the software update, get the new phone. Microsoft has been fickle, to say it nicely, about any of that kind of stuff. Sometimes they have a new phone, sometimes they wait some time to do it, sometimes they deliver software updates, sometimes they don't. Software updates come with bugs, they don't fix them for a long time. Like, uh, you know, we're going to be going on almost three years in between the Duo 2 and whatever this new device is called. And people don't have time in their lives to wait on devices as, as enthusiasts do if you would agree with me. Uh, as much as you said you would buy this phone, imagine if you had a contract like, you know, some people who bought the first Duo did with AT&T or whatever, uh, you know, limited amount of carriers they had internationally speaking. You're running up against the end of your contract this year uh, and you won't be seeing another phone for a while. Not to say that you need to get a new phone, but some people do. They like to get a new phone. They like mm -hmm. to be rewarded, you know, having invested their money and saying, all right, you know, or, or the carriers offer them incentives to get a new phone. Uh, the best thing that they can probably get will be the Fold 4, potentially the Fold 5, or whatever Google's offering. And they'll get that for a year before Microsoft even comes out with whatever this phone is. That's not a way to establish anything. Microsoft also doesn't have the sticky factor, which is accessories that tie into this hardware that make people invested in it. If you buy Galaxy, a Galaxy Fold, you are invested in getting earbuds, a watch, uh, following the health metrics on the apps that are available on these devices. Uh, Microsoft doesn't have any of that. It has none of that established. It hasn't been doing any of that. Uh, we don't know if the Surface Buds, you know, they were nice when they came out uh, a couple years ago. But they haven't kept up with the market. They haven't updated those things. They haven't redefined the design. They're not offering that. They're not offering a smart watch. I'm not saying that they, you know, need to bring back the Microsoft Band, but maybe an Aura ring would be better fit for them. You know, uh, just something that says, "Hey, I have a Duo, and I have these things. This is why I will stick with Duo for the next two, three, four iterations because I have these accessories that work with it, not just some random window PC that I can ship out or change whenever I need to." The phone doesn't have any tie into that. So I think when they move to this this switch, it, it you know, as I said in my piece, it is kind of feeling like a Windows 10 mobile moment where they're chasing something when they could have been working parallel at their own time alongside of it. Now I, I made an analogy that uh, this is following Windows 10 mobile when they should be following the Surface Pro. The Surface Pro came out, they, you know, bucked the trend of everyone having clamshell laptops. People panned it. They ridiculed the first version. They ridiculed the second version. The third one came out and it caught some mainstream attention for, you know, whatever niche audience that was. But, you know, they just kept tinkering at it and fixing things and made the screen bigger, you know, settled on the, the, the type cover versus the touch cover, settled on offering colors for that, put a pin loop in there, made the screen bigger, added better connectivity, longer battery life. You know, they just, they, they fixed the hinge from the two point system that it was at to, you know, a hundred, well, I forget the, the, the whatever degree that it could change to, like all of those things came, instead of just pivoting to making, quickly making the Surface laptop, which they could have easily done, they could have, they, you know, Microsoft's always said, like they could just make a laptop. They chose to do the Pro and, and they stuck with that vision. But again, Surface Pro 3 could have just been the Surface Laptop 1. And that could have been the end of the day. And I feel like that's what they're doing here. 
I can see that point, and I, I don't totally totally disagree with you. I think you're you're right in the aspect, but something we were talking about in our little internal chat is. I think Microsoft is looking, as you mentioned, they don't have the ecosystem. Do they have any interest in building the ecosystem? I think is the question. And I think it goes all the way back to the phone that I'm holding in my hand. I've got one of the old Samsung Galaxy 10 that's got, you know, the whole link to Windows thing. And that was the catch to me that Microsoft has a software interest in being part of an ecosystem. Of course, they're not going to go play with Apple. Apple's not going to allow that, even if Microsoft wanted to. You know, so their choice is build their own ecosystem again by building their own software, kind of like they did with Windows Phone, or go partner with Android. And I think, I don't know that they have any aspirations or any interest of going, let's try Windows Mobile again. You know, that, hey, we're going to go partner with Android. It's open source. Everybody plays well, and we can kind of do what we want to do. And I think you're seeing that with what's out there now. I think the question is, where are we in two years when we see this device? What is Microsoft thinking from a software standpoint? Are they going to do something and surprise us and say, look, this phone will do something that the Samsung phone won't do? Could be, maybe I'm off base, but, you know, they may come up with something or it may just be, hey, here's a Samsung competitor, you know, that competes with the Samsung Z Fold 5 or 6, wherever we are by the time that comes out, pick whichever one you want. Oh, no, I and I agree with you. I think, you know, Microsoft has proven that they can do software. That I mean... That is their bread and butter. Now, for the Duo, it was questionable. They fixed it since then, but it you know mm-hmm. came out kind of rocky. I'm not questioning the software. They uh, uh, and I'm not even necessarily questioning the hardware. Uh, they you know the the Duo is an impressively thin device. It does 360 degree fold around something that none of in the industry is doing, which is great. My concern is that Microsoft hasn't done any of the foundational work to make the phone accessible if it were to become a hit. So say, you know, they, you know, they come out with something that's amazing in the software and amazing integration for Windows and the hardware is perfected. The, the hinge, the way it folds, the, you know, there's no gap in the middle, the screen technology does the scratch, you know, it's the perfect device. I'm saying what they haven't done is gotten deals with carriers, build up a support system for customer support, warranties, buyback programs. The way the way that Microsoft, I mean Samsung and even Apple in the last couple of years have pushed and made their devices, uh, you know, the stalwarts of of the industry is by getting them in the hands of people. And Microsoft has actually backtracked and clawed its way away from that by, you know, the Surface Duo, you know, here in the United States was the first one was on AT&T. That was the only place you could get it if you weren't going to go buy it directly from uh, their website at full price. Internationally speaking, that, you know, those numbers increase like, you know, we're, we're facing inflation, we're facing we're facing potential recession, global recession. And Microsoft is saying, hey, we have this device that is exclusive. You can buy it from our website, buy it and lock. We don't want to deal with carriers. And people are saying we can't get a hold of it. As amazing as it is, I can't go into a store and get it. I can't uh, if something were to break on it, I can't go into a store and get it fixed. I can't talk to somebody as immediately as I need to. Uh, 
my old phone, I have a Samsung, you know, I have the latest Samsung. I'd like to trade it in. Samsung's going to give me, you know, $700 plus free earbuds and a watch for their to get their new phone, even though their phone's $1,700. By the end of the deal, I'm paying 500 bucks for it. You're telling me to come get your phone for $1,400, or you know, even if they get the price down to 900 bucks, 900 bucks with nothing attached to it. Like, that's not a deal for people. And Microsoft hasn't done the footwork for that. The other thing they haven't done the footwork for is camera tech. They have devices that have cameras. And the last time we've heard them mention camera tech in any, I don't know, concerted way, I would say is with the Lumia devices. Like, you know, there is no pressing impetus for them to say, hey, we are doing pixel bending and the Surface Pro. We are, you know, adding these lenses to, to get you, you know, four different fields of view and things like that. Like, they don't say any of that. And I don't see them coming out with the next Surface with that kind of technology. Like, they're just not working on it, at least not actively that we know of, to put in these devices. I can't, ar- I can't argue with that either. I, I think the, the only thing that I could mention is I never thought, the, and I could be wrong here, I never thought the Surface Duo was meant to be a consumer phone for the reasons that you just mentioned. Because to me, a consumer phone is I can walk into any carrier, I can get the payment plan, the 36 months, 24 months, whatever they offer. I can do a trade-in. And you're right in what you said. I never thought the Duo, whichever version it was, one or two, was meant to be for the consumer market. It was certainly never put out there as the consumer market. And I don't recall seeing it on Microsoft's website very prominent on the consumer pages that was very prominent on the business pages it was kind of on the back pages of what you might say the consumer stuff was so i guess we could make the argument does microsoft intend for it to be a consumer device this new device coming up or and i wrote about that do they ideas okay go ahead well i wrote about that saying that with the duo they were given grace because it was uh, uniquely its own device. So they could always pivot to saying like, hey, this isn't like the Galaxy Fold. It doesn't operate the same, doesn't look the same, it doesn't you know, work the same way. So we're selling it to a different customer base. But when you go and follow the Fold, the Oppo and Five, th- things that consumers can get their hands on, you you lose all of that grace. You lose any of that, 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 uh, that, br- that branding. You can't say like, hey, this is a niche device for only business people, because business people can go get a Fold. They can easily get a fold. They can get it at in mass too. They can buy their entire office a fold if they wanted to. Microsoft following them is going to have to be able to provide the same level of accessibility if they're going to follow that design. They, you know, so that's what I'm saying. Like going to a single screen, they're going to be beholden to the same single screen ex- expectancies from from everybody. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. <laughs> How this pivot goes, we were again probably a year out from even any uh, inclinations of it coming. So uh, I'll, I'll reserve all of these opinions for that time. And I and I'll say one more thing that I don't think anybody mm-hmm. has brought up. I, I didn't see a mention of it in your article. I haven't seen any mention of it in other articles. Microsoft has this device that runs on an ARM chip. Phones oh, yeah. run on an ARM chip. And I think there was a YouTuber, I believe it was Shane something, that showed a... I'm getting in the weeds here, folks, just a little bit. 
that that showed a hack to where you could remote desktop with an existing duo or something along those lines. Now, the killer feature would be you've got your let's call it the duo three for for talking purposes. You've got your duo three there. Maybe you do like Samsung does with their decks. You plug it in and maybe you get some sort of Windows desktop and you can run your Windows apps because maybe you've got that ARM chip in there that goes with this Surface ARM device that they keep hanging out there for some reason. You know, they, they keep they keep plowing at it. And I've always thought they're plowing with that device for something. You know, it's not a mainstream device. It's not selling millions a day or anything. They're, but they're plowing with that arm chip for a reason. Maybe this has something to do with it. Just just a thought. You know, you, it, it you, may, could, you could, yeah, you could be the surface whisperer. We will, we, I will actually keep my hopes up for something of that nature because that does sound intriguing. All right. Let's see what they we'll, do. Let's see what they give us. Yeah, we'll leave that uh, opened it and let's get into our headlines now for regular news that isn't about Surface Hardware or Microsoft Pivots. What do you got for us? All right, got something simple to start us off. Uh, Microsoft this week has announced a Microsoft 365 Basic, which I think is kind of interesting. I think this I think this hits 99% of people and basically what you have here is you're going to get 100 gig of one drive space you're getting the microsoft 365 apps but you're only getting the web version of those apps which for most people i think that may be enough you know for your homework doers out there you're putting together a quick document you do get the full apps on your phone the word the powerpoint etc so you know that does beat paying what is it $6.99 a person for the for the regular subscription. So if you're just a student, you're a homework doer, and you want that $1.99 subscription, jump out there and get it. I think this is a good thing for Microsoft to break in. It kind of undercuts Google Apps just a little bit, or Google Workspace a little bit. Um, check it out. I mean, when it when it came across, it kind of surprised me that it was coming across, you know, so cheap. To be honest, I think, you know, for most people, 100 gig is enough. You know, you can store your photos, store your documents, unless you're a big photo taker and you've got a bunch of photos. You know, $1.99 a month, documents, a little bit of storage, able to share. You know, you're not being crippled. You know, they're not giving you Microsoft Office one half or anything. It's the full thing. Go for it. Yeah, no, this is a, a pretty nice carrot on a stick for people. So mm -hmm. just like you, I, I'd say at least give it a shot. I mean, you 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 fair to you fair to lose yourself uh, more money buying a soda uh, for a day than to test out something for a month. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think this, you know, a dollar ninety nine could be a cash cow for them if you think about it. I mean, most people are, you know hey, my kid needs a way to do their homework. You know, I don't want to buy the desktop apps because we've got multiple machines in the house. I, they don't want to deal with learning how to save something to the cloud because remember, your desktop app, when you click save, you've got choices there. Where do you want to put it? 
you know, do you want to put it on local PC? Yeah. You want to put it in the cloud? And we have to look at this from a consumer point of view. You and I don't have a problem picking the space to put that document. The average consumer, I, I know plenty. You know, I mean, just joking wise. Yeah. You could use this dollar ninety nine as your, and I'm sure Outlook is going to hate me for saying this, but this could be a junk email uh, if you're yeah. having trouble uh, finding space. Because I, I believe my wife uses Gmail constantly. She's always complaining about you know trying to find space. She's like, I've deleted stuff, I've moved things, and I just can't get enough space for my Gmail. Or you have, uh, you know, you're, you're you've signed up for a bunch of stuff that you're now getting spam for because you no longer are interested in the product or the service or whatever. And you, but you want to keep an eye on the the emails or notifications, or you just don't have time to go around and deleting all those, you can start sending people your Outlook email saying, you know what, get in contact with me over here. For $1.99, I send all of that stuff to that email and I don't have to be bothered with it. But if I need to, I can go back and check it out. And on top of it, like you said, you get storage. I think that's a good idea. And I'm gonna tell on myself here for just a second, if you were to open, <laughs> possibly open my Gmail account, there may or may not be 450,000 messages in that account. <laughs> you, you know, where things have just kind of stacked up for the last yeah. 15 years. So that's not a bad idea. Microsoft well, the other might not like it, but good yeah. idea. Exactly. And the other deal is that they, uh, they have been pushing people to uh, OneDrive storage uh, on Samsung devices for the last two or three years now. Uh -huh. So if you have had a Samsung device and you are running up against your, your storage limit, your free storage limit, uh, hopping onto a 199 deal to continue that, to continue doing the phone, I believe photo link or whatever it's called, to you know make sure your photos automatically saved to OneDrive, may be the right solution for you at this time. A lot of choices there for two bucks. Yes. Uh, our next story is about Microsoft taking that 199 and turning it into a $10 billion investment in chat GPT's OpenAI. Um, Microsoft and OpenAI are looking to formalize their ongoing uh, technical relationship with a potential $10 billion investment in the bot commodity, or I mean the hot commodity chat GPT. Uh, as the scoop reports, and that's the name of the publication, People familiar with the deal have seen documents sent to investors outlining the terms for a $29 billion round of funding from several venture firms that includes a substantial $10 billion, a $10 billion stake from Microsoft for their artificially intelligent chatbot um, client. Uh, as of this reporting, there is yet to be an official deal uh, to be signed by any parties, uh, despite several documents indicating that they had a desire to close the deal by the end of 2022. Uh, barring any outstanding last minute negotiations uh, on the proposed deal, Microsoft would retain 75% of OpenAI's profits uh, on projects until it can recoup its initial investment, at which time, uh, once it does recoup, Microsoft would retain a 49% stake in OpenAI, and, it, and then it would become a more diverse ownership with other investors gaining control of the other 49%, collectively, however they divide that up. And OpenAI's nonprofit business, which is the partner company, would collect on the other 2% of the pie. So uh, for those of you who have been living under a rock, uh, ChatGPT has been the, the latest thing to be talked about in headlines. It's an AI bot service that uh, get, when given natural language queries can uh, spit out you know, poems or you know, thesis statements or whatever, it, you know, whatever you're asking to do, it can write up basically uh, a language to it or chat about it or articles about it, things like that. And it does a pretty good job uh, of doing so. Uh, for those of you who know about it, but don't know the details uh, behind it, OpenAI is a, is a, 
uh, as it says, is an AI artificial intelligence company. Uh, Microsoft has worked with them before, uh, and I believe we wrote about this in their, uh, I believe it's OpenAI, GitHub, and Microsoft partnership for Copilot, which is a program where they are leveraging GitHub to basically start uh, crafting uh, code uh, for developers. Uh, it's, a, it's an automatic code generator. Uh, which also leverages machine learning and artificial intelligence to spit out code for, say, uh, game developers who are looking for non-playable character dialogue. So instead of having to sit there and write your own code for, you know, 230 non-playable characters, you can just tell this co-pilot to say, hey, I need a script for, uh, you know, a handmaiden in, in some open world uh, fight, you know, some open world journey game. Uh, can you give me one? And it'll spit out code for it and you can just plug it into your game and then you can move on to being more creative about something else. So Microsoft is continuing that partnership. Uh, the 10 billion uh, will probably span all of that partnership, not just chat, chat uh, GPT, but all the other efforts and kind of you know, solidify them in the AI battle, uh, the AI battles to come between, you know, its own competitors, which I believe Google is also uh, getting big into AI as well, or has been big in AI. Uh, this is awesome. I've actually had a chance this week to sit down and play with um, play with this tool a little bit. And like you mentioned, it, it's amazing what it will do. Just to give the techies some clue out there, I was able to get it to write perfectly good working Linux shell scripts this week. It would write out WordPress configuration files if you put your specifications in there for what you wanted it would write them out and let me be clear it was they were wrote out perfectly and they were perfectly good working you know files if you just copied and pasted them in and there was also something I read just to make it a little interesting where there's already students that are using this this project to write their term papers so there was <laughs> another student that has wrote an algorithm to detect whether OpenAI wrote their paper or not. Ooh. So this is this is going to be interesting to see where this goes. I think you know this is the next step in modern day computing. We've had AI a little bit with our virtual assistants, our Alexas, our Series, our Cortanas. Rest in peace. Uh, 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 <laughs> of the world and Microsoft's investing instead of doing you know a lot of this themselves so I, I'm curious too as to what the developers behind the Microsoft walls think of this you know we, Ooh, we, we couldn't pull it off and now we've gone and invested billions of dollars into another project so it also makes me wonder what, what do those devs think well, I mean, as you and I mentioned, um, perhaps they saw what we saw and that the pivot in AI isn't digital assistants that you speak to and have conversations back and forth with, but assisting, assisting software that is constantly doing things to help you out throughout your day uh, based on an incalculable number of calculations uh, as to you know your workflow. So instead of saying, hey, Cortana, pull up my calendar uh, so I can see what my schedule is, it knows that at typically on Thursdays at whatever time, 
you tend to have a meeting. So it just, it surfaces that meeting as a notification uh, and all of the other things that come along with it saying like, oh, you know, so-and-so might be late to it. They've already responded. I've sent out a response on your behalf saying, okay, we'll meet you there. You know, that kind of stuff is, it's less of a formal interaction back and forth and more of just software doing things constantly. And two, I think we're going to hit a debate here of at some point, how real do we want these things to be? <laughs> Very true. You know, I, I think at some point we're going to hit that debate too. They're going to be like, okay, these things are too human-like, you know, and, and you're going to get people on both sides of the equation. There's going to be people that like them and there's going to be people that don't like them. Just like some people, I've got a neighbor can't stand Alexa, can't stand Siri, you know, you know, doesn't like any of it, but I think this is where we are, you know, and there's going to be arguments or if, is all the information these AI things are, are spitting out, is it accurate? I mean, I have asked OpenAI some questions and got some pretty obscure answers, so, you know, just be aware they're not... 100% accurate yet, but we're just getting started. I think we're going to get there and I think we're going to start seeing this built into our apps. I know I've seen something where Microsoft is already working on building this into Microsoft Office. So I, I'm, I think we're kind of in that next step of computing, next step of technology. Where does it take us? Yeah. What do you got it for us next? Well, I'm going to skip around a little bit here. We've got for you Apple fans out there, the few of you that may be watching this podcast, we've got Apple Music and TV is coming to the Microsoft Store in preview form. Now, this does replace the, what is it, the iTunes, the iTunes Connect apps that are out there. There are available in preview in the Microsoft Store, and there are expected to replace those, and it's the full player. I want to make make that clear. That was something that was brought up. It's the full player. You can open up your Apple TV. I have had a chance to check it out. If you've got your Apple TV app or your Apple Music app, say on a Roku or an Xbox, they're basically bringing you full access to it, and you do have access to anything in your Apple library inside of that app. You no longer have to do the whole download the iTunes software, sign in, keep it inside of the iTunes software. So good to see. And you've also, if you tinker around, Apple is coming out with something for VR. Right now it's codenamed VROS. So you will have access according to what is in the beta apps here to whatever those VR components are. You'll have full access to your Apple devices. Also, you can control your your phone, your Apple TV. There's probably some iPad integration in there as well. Maybe even something with a MacBook. But it's nice to see these two companies playing together bringing the ecosystems together. I think the whole catch is everybody can have their specific ecosystem. There's no problem with that, but it's nice to see Microsoft opening the door to give 
access and it's nice to see Apple opening the door saying look we will give Windows users better access to their content and being able to control their devices sounds good uh, what I got up next is uh, Microsoft offering unlimited paid time off to its employees uh, we're wondering is that a bad thing uh, the memo sent out to Microsoft US employees early today uh, that would be earlier uh, this week, the company announced that it's switching to a new discretionary time off policy for salaried U.S. workers beginning January 16th. Uh, so Monday, uh, these workers won't have to wait until they accrue vacation benefits uh, and they are still offered 10 corporate holidays, leave of absence, sick days or mental health time off and jury duty and bereavement leaves. This sounds ideal. Instead of accruing vacation days, which I, uh, in the event an employee were to leave the company, could be cashed in, salaried Microsoft employees would now be able to take days off at their own discretion. Workers and vacation days occurred will be awarded a one-time payout this April, according to the memo. While all the vacation days you want seems like something of a dream come true. The number of companies among them, Salesforce, Oracle, Netflix, and Microsoft-owned LinkedIn, all offer unlimited vacation plans. And there are uh, uh, and there are valid reasons for doing so. Companies no longer have to account for workers. Vacation days occurred. How many have been used, or how many are left? And and they get uh, and get into squabbles if employees need extra days off here and there because you know, they're counting specific days or an allotment. Uh, less book work for the company. Less micromanagement of employee behavior, which has taken a hard turn since pre-pandemic days. Uh, if you must show up in the office and stay in the office uh, and evidence to show that employees won't take significant uh, more time off uh, than they do under current policy. So they're just basically trusting employees will continue to work at the same levels that they've been doing. Now, unfortunately for hourly workers at Microsoft, which there are quite a few and well and contract workers, I suppose, and everywhere else in the situation, uh, they will not be getting unlimited PTO. Uh, so hourly workers, uh, you know, so say if you're uh, working in, like, say, the kitchen or you know some other cleaning staff, stuff like that. You work at Microsoft, don't expect unlimited paid time off. Uh, federal and state wages, hourly laws won't allow for that. Uh, my thoughts on this were it seemed great. Uh, we know that I believe an actual employee from Microsoft, Christina Warren, uh, had a whole thread on why it isn't, and she makes val very valid points that uh, it's kind of a a numbers scheme, so to speak, and that's you know if uh, it's schemey only if you don't take the time that you need. Uh, I don't know, what are your thoughts on this? I think this is an extension of the whole work from home thing. And, you know, that we had during COVID. This, this is just personal thought here. I'm not, you know, saying that I have read this documented anywhere. But my thing is, if an employee gets their work done, they're being a productive employee. I mean, you know, Microsoft had, you know, most people I would say working that are going to get this are working on projects. Projects have goals. As long as you meet those goals, I think, you know, from from the business standpoint, you've done your job. And I think it's good to see Microsoft is focusing a little bit, at least on paper here, on the person, on the employee. Look, if you need that day off to take care of your kid, if you need that day off to take your child to the zoo, or if you just don't feel well that day, you don't necessarily have pressure to go punch a time clock. And I know at least for mental health, what more could you ask for knowing that 
you know, sure, there's going to be people take advantage advantage of this, folks. That's the workplace. You know, you you give an employee an inch, some of them are going to take a mile. But you know, for for the ones that are being responsible, I was thinking about it just this morning. It's peace of mind. You get up, you don't feel well. Maybe you sit in bed and get your work done. Sure, but you're not under that pressure to put on your work clothes you know, do your hair, et cetera, get in the car, make the drive, you know, go to Starbucks. You're, you're not under that pressure. I think this is a good thing. The salary workers kind of get cheated a little bit. I, I will say that, you know, they don't get the same luxury. So if your salary worker kind of stinks for you, but I'm a fan. Yeah, uh, I'm a fan. Um, but again, I haven't worked in this thing. Uh, I also don't have, at least currently speaking, I don't have uh, days that I accrue to that amount. Uh, and like you said, uh, I mean, as Christina said, unless you actually take advantage of that and a company allows you to do so in a manner that works best for you. So you're not just you know necessarily taking, I'm going to take all the January off, <laughs> unrealistically speaking. Uh, it could seem like a scam because, again, you're not necessarily getting paid out for those uh days that you accrue you're getting a lump sum based on an average of whatnot so uh you know it has this plus or minuses it's a policy that i believe is best suited for the new work environment the hybrid work environment that we're at where people are already sort of working from home so now you'll just be able to actually shut off the camera and like you said take that time off away from your workstation to you know enjoy your tea go for a longer walk uh, you know, be with family members, things of that nature, uh, versus, you know, constantly looking at notifications on your phone or your watch or your laptop or things like that, even though you're not working in the office. So uh, I'm all for trying it out. Uh, hopefully we see some good results from it and, uh, we, and it can expand to other businesses and other companies and other thinking uh, strategies. What is our last sort of business? Well, I've got one more, and it has to do with gaming. Big surprise there. I'm going to get for the Ubisoft fans out there. There are reports that Ubisoft Plus may be coming to Xbox consoles this month. Now, for me, old Rainbow Six fan, bring it on. Be glad to see it. But this is a year after it was first announced and first mentioned that it may be coming to Xbox and PlayStation for the folks out there. And the rumor is that it's coming on January the 25th. Now, for the folks that are not familiar with who Ubisoft actually is, think Assassin's Creed, Far Cry, Watch Dogs, Watch Dogs Legion, excuse me, Rainbow Six, the report that it that it's coming roughly January 25th was on Twitter by an industry analyst let me make sure i get this name right morano nl who seems to have a little bit of inside information now it is rumored that this will be kind of like ea pass is on xbox now where if you don't subscribe to the premium xbox game pass there is an extra fee for ea I think the EA fee is $9.99 a month if you buy it separately. 
Um, this could be an extra $14.99 a month, or there may be, I'm sure there'll be some kind of bundle in there to where you get all three for a certain price. And this could be leading us down the road of something we talked about in last week's podcast too, is Game Pass getting ready to go under, undergo some sort of subscription changes or the subscriptions in general getting ready to go up? Or are they getting ready to, you know, reclassify those? Personally, big fan of seeing everybody join in the, the subscription game. Sure, be careful out there spending. Subscriptions add up, folks. Ten bucks here, ten bucks there. Next thing you know, you're spending a hundred bucks on gaming every month. So you know, my PSA of the day would be: be careful of what you're spending. But for the Ubisoft fans out there, hey. I'm glad to see it. I'll go download all the Rainbow Six games and all the Assassin's Creed games day one. Uh, yeah, I I think it's awesome. Uh, it's just yet another way that Microsoft is uh, and its partners are making games, making gaming more accessible. You know, they're kind of tearing down those walls that used to be the old fiefdoms of I have my platform and you need to have uh, your email my email uh domain and you need to sign up for these things and you can't access it anywhere else and now it's like all right well you still need to sign up for it but you can access it you you can get a you can get a hold of these games in other ways and other platforms things that are easier for you to just play the games because once i get you playing the games then i can get you buying stuff so i think there's finally that acknowledgement that like put them where people can play them and can reach them easily and the money will flow that's always been ever since phil spencer took over you know that being you know the head of xbox what was what was his first gaming everywhere was it game it was either gaming everywhere or gaming anywhere i forget you know which i think it's word. gaming anywhere right you know he used gaming anywhere and i think you know we're finally starting to see that and it's nice to see these third-party companies, partners of Microsoft, embracing it and bringing their library over. And, you know, something we're not talking about this week, maybe it's got something to do in the back of people's minds with the whole Activision thing, you know. You know, you've got more and more software coming to Xbox, and maybe Ubisoft says, hey, we need to get on it, get in on this game too. So come the end of this month, in about 10 12 days we'll see if this rumor is true i hope it is i'll be subscribing and doing some downloading uh you can get a big old ditto for me on that uh and with that being said we want to thank everyone for hanging out with us for another weekend uh we hope you enjoyed uh the conversation uh any of the news if you have any uh things you'd like to share with us you can always reach us uh reach me at mindhead one on twitter where can people reach you David PAJ1978. Yeah, and uh, if Twitter's not your jam uh, and you haven't figured out Mastodon like me, you can always reach me in the comments of any of my articles. I do read those, so we can have a conversation going for that. Uh, let us know what your thoughts are on Service Duo, Microsoft 365 being $1.99, or you know the new things that are coming to Xbox. We'd love to talk to you guys. Thank you. Take care, folks. We'll see you next week.